0: You know, a lot of times, uh, we can go far away, uh, from, from home or far away from, uh, our normal habitat. And that can be, uh, sometimes, uh, a little unnerving to us, a little, uh, maybe scary to us. You know, you might remember, uh, perhaps when you went away to college for the first time and maybe you went somewhere out of state, you know, that, that, that first time you go there, it, it's a little worrisome, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the movie uh, The Wizard of Oz. You know, I think we've all seen that movie where, where Dorothy, you know, she is far away from home. And throughout the movie, she's attempting to get back home. And, of course, uh, the famous line, there's no place like home. Right? There, there's no place like home. And even within Scripture, we see this. Uh, we see individuals go uh, quite a bit away from home. We see, read in Hebrews 11 verse 8. That by faith Abraham when he was called. Obeyed by going out to a place. Which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham left home not knowing where he was going by faith. And the Hebrews writer uh, commends him for that. We talked last week about Daniel. Remember Daniel was taken into captivity. And he traveled over 900 miles away from his home. Where he uh, resided. And, and when we go far away, uh, depending on the circumstances, we might, we might return home, right? We, we might go on a vacation, and we'll be there for a little while, and then we come home. Or, or maybe uh, we go away for a while, right? We take a job in, in a new city, and so we, we leave our hometowns, and we go and we, and we work there. Or again, maybe we move away to college. Uh, I remember uh, before Angel and I were married, uh, Angela went to an out of state college and she was only there for a semester before she came home. Now I like to think that it was, uh, I was the reason why she came back to Michigan, uh, but maybe that wasn't it. Maybe it was because of her family and friends as well. Uh, but we do that. Uh, we might go and leave for a little while but eventually we'll come back. Uh, but then there are those who, who leave and they never come back. They, they enjoy where they are and they never come back. Well, in a sense, um, our sins, our sins in life, in this life has caused us to be far away. Uh, the Bible says we are separated from God at that time when we become accountable to him. We are separated uh, by him or to him at some point in our lives. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, he said, your iniquities have made a separation between you and And your God in Ezekiel chapter eight, Ezekiel is given a vision by God about how God is not pleased about how the Israelites are living, how they are committing idolatry. They're worshiping these false gods. And God says through Ezekiel that their sin was so bad that God was far away from their sanctuary. He was far away from their temple. He left their presence And so in this lesson this morning, we're going to concentrate on this question of what did we do or what do we need to do about this separation? When when we have been separated from from God, uh, when we are far away from him, what do we need to do? So let's notice a couple of these things about being far away from God this morning. And the first one I want you to notice is in Ephesians chapter two, far away, no more. In Ephesians chapter 2, during Paul's second missionary journey, he visits Ephesus briefly, but he, he promises to return. He's there, for, and we only read about it for a couple of verses, but by the time we get to his third missionary journey, he stays there a lot longer. He is in Ephesus. And, you know, a lot of times when we read about Paul and the churches that he goes through in the book of Acts, we assume that, you know, he, he builds the churches, that he's there uh, for a, quite a long time. Helping to establish them, uh, but that's not always the case. Sometimes he's only there for a few short weeks, but but he's planting the seed. He, he's planting this church there. And as we as we have studied uh, on Wednesday nights, as we're going through the book of uh, the letter to the Ephesians, we've noticed that Ephesus is a very highly pagan city. Uh, this was a Roman province of Asia. The goddess of Ephesus was here. Um, the, her temple was here. Uh, this was Artemis that the Romans described her as, or Diana as, as the Greeks. And more people worshipped this false god in this area than any other god. Again, her temple was there. This was the center of her um, existence and so, and when Paul was in Ephesus, he was preaching, and his preaching there was bad for business. We read it was bad for business, especially for Demetrius the silversmith and the other craftsmen in the area, because Paul was converting many away from the, this false these false idols uh, from the, the the things that they were making with their hands and Paul was ran out of Ephesus eventually. but again, the point is is this was a very uh, pagan. City uh, the, the Gentiles there in Ephesians chapter two verse one three verses one through three, Paul begins by saying, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And so Paul is, is describing their, their previous life. Their previous life outside of Christ, they were dead in their trespasses. They were spiritually dead, he says. And then drop down to verse 11. Paul writes here, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Now look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. They have been brought near by the blood of Christ, Paul says in verse 13. Verse 13. And of course, in chapter 3, as, as we've studied, uh, Paul explains how, how the Gentiles now have been placed into the church. How, how, how but They now have the opportunity to become members of his body. That Jesus Christ broke down the, this barrier, this dividing wall that was separating Jew from Gentile at one time. And now they all have the opportunity to be in that one body. And that one body, as verse... Um, as verse 8 tells us through, through 11, that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And again, Ephesians, this letter to, uh, written to this church in Ephesus, it's all about being in Christ. Over and over again, we read about being in Christ. All the way back in, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. And then for the next few verses, all the way through verse 14, Paul is listing blessing after blessing after blessing. And notice in verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. See, one of those blessings was redemption from his blood, forgiveness of sins. That blood that drew them near, it was one of the blessings that they saw. Again, in chapter 2, verse 1, they are no longer outside of Christ. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you have been made alive, Paul says. Again, the the, the focus in chapter 2 is on the Gentiles, those who are uncircumcised. And if anyone had a problem of being far away, right, this sense of being far away, separate from Christ... It was the Gentiles. Uh, We see that again in verse 12. Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers of the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now they are in Christ. Formerly they were far off, but they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He preached. and Look at verse 17. He preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. He preached to the Gentiles who were far away and to those who were near the Jews. And they were no longer. Verse 19 tells us they are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You know, I get a sense of this. I, I kind of understand this. You know, if you've ever left the country, you know, you you probably might understand this as well. What it means to be an alien or a stranger in a foreign land. Uh, as a kid, uh, you know, I've only left the country once in my life and it was only for three hours. But I can remember, I can recall uh, that, that it was different. It felt different. I felt far away um, there's a couple of places in Michigan, you know, that you can get into Canada, into Detroit, and then also in the Upper Peninsula, in Sault Ste. Marie, and that's where we were in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. We crossed over into Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. And again, we were only there for three hours. But I remember my grandfather driving on the wrong side of the road. Right? This didn't make sense to me. The signage on the street, some of it was in a foreign language. When we went to the mall there, we had to exchange our currency for something different. It was strange. It felt weird. And again, my citizenship was in the United States. Although we only you know, passed over into this bridge, into this, this foreign country, and we were only there for a couple of hours, I felt far away. Right? I felt far away from home. I felt far away from the, being in the U.S., Well, see, there are only a couple of places in Scripture that tell us how to be in Christ. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Those those Christians there who are baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. And look at Romans chapter 6, if you would. In Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4, we have the other place in Scripture that tells us how do we become in Christ. How do we get in Christ? Paul says here in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3, he says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too... Might walk in newness of life. See, baptism is a reenactment of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're, we're dying to sin. We're being buried under the water. And that's when we come into contact with that blood. In the death of Christ, that blood that draws us near. And then we, when we rise from the waters, we, we are partaking of the, the resurrection of Jesus. And what a blessing it is to be in Christ in Christ to have access to his blood, all of these spiritual blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. Revelation 1:5 1, says that his blood releases us from our sins, and we can be far away no more. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to notice this, this second instance of being far away. Being far away again. In Luke chapter 15, we have the account of three different parables. This is often referred to as the lost chapter. And we're going to particularly look at verses 11-32 through 32 of the prodigal son. We're familiar with this account as well. The prodigal son. There's these two sons that Jesus talks about. And often the older son, he's overlooked. But he stays close at home with his father. And he represents the Jewish nation. Those, And he's bitter towards his brother for coming home. But we recall that the younger son, he requested his inheritance. He, asked to, he wanted to leave and he wanted to go into a distant country. Look at verse 13. And not many days the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. This son, he took everything of his inheritance. He went off into a far country. He went far away from his father. He spent everything there uh, that he had had. And we recall that there was a very bad famine in the land. And he went working, uh, feeding swine for a citizen in this distant country. Uh, he, uh, the account tells us that he would gladly have eaten the slop that the pigs were eating. Because he was so hungry. No one would give him anything to eat. And to, the, to the Jewish mind, to the Jewish individual, no one could sink any lower. Right? Working uh, with unclean animals, eating with the unclean animals... We're eating and then look at verse 17 because he came to his senses and verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here hung, with hunger. So he realized that his father had more uh, provisions than, than, than they could afford. And so he, he decided to go back. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And he humbled himself. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me work like one of your hired servants. And while he was traveling back home, we're told that his father saw him far off. His father was looking for him, suggesting that he'd been anxiously watching, longing for his son's return. And the father felt compassion for him. And he ran to him embraced him and kissed him. Again, the son admits his sinful actions in verse 21. I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. At one time, as we've studied this account, at one time the son was safe in the comfort of his father's house. But the deceitfulness of sin, the pleasures of sin pulled him away, and he went off into that far country. We too can also leave for that far away country. There, there is a possibility for us to once being brought near by the blood of Christ and then being far away again, as the prodigal was. The idea that you, that once you are in Christ, once you are in His church, that you're in a saved condition, that you have salvation, and that you can never lose that salvation, is contrary to what the Scriptures teach. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, the Apostle John wrote that we need to be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Why would John say that we need to be faithful until death if our salvation wasn't secure? And then in chapter three of Revelation, in verse five, as Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus, he says that he who overcomes, I will not erase his name from the book of life. So at one point, uh, a Christian's name is written in the book of life according to Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. And if he overcomes, if he makes it faithfully uh, through this life, his name will not be erased. What does that indicate? Well, if he doesn't make it, his name will be erased. He, he will no longer be in Christ. One, one of the, the, the most frightening verses to me in Scripture is in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 21 where Peter writes that it would be better for them, speaking of of these false teachers, of the uh, individuals who came to Christ and now are are teaching um, false doctrine, he says it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than for having known it and turn away from the truth. What he's saying is it would have been better for them to have stayed far away than to come come near, to to come near by the blood of Christ and then to leave and to leave his church. Why is that? Well, if he would have just stayed in that faraway country, he would have never known of these blessings. He would have never known of these great blessings it is to be in Christ. But now that you've been drawn near by the blood of Christ, you've seen and had these blessings that we have in Christ. And to turn your back on him and to leave and to walk away. It would be better for them to have never have known, he said. But here's the good news. Here's the good news that we learn in Luke chapter 15 is that we can always go back. That he is waiting. Some may drift far away from the Savior's love, from his body, from his church. But look at verse 20 again in Luke 15. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. See, the prodigal was far away no more. And then finally, the, this morning, I want us to notice one more. Uh, if you just turn over in one chapter into Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, another familiar account that only Luke provides for us the rich man and Lazarus. And we're going to notice here that we can be far away forever. The rich man, of course, he received the good things in this life. Uh, And Lazarus, on the other hand, this beggar, this poor man, he received the bad things, we're told. But but both men died, and they both went into Hades, and Lazarus was comforted, while the rich man is tormented. Lazarus was carried by angels to, to Abraham's bosom, as verse 22 tells us. But the rich man, look at verse 23. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. You see, the, the rich man was now far away. And he cried out to Abraham to have mercy on him and to allow Lazarus to bring him water for his comfort. See, the situations now have been reversed from, from, life, uh, from the physical life to, to the spiritual life. Now Lazarus is receiving comfort and the rich man is receiving the torment. Plus, we're told that there's this great gulf Fixed between the two. Between the, the comforted side, the, the paradise, and the tormented side. And no one can ca- cross between the two. And what this is teaching here is that at death, when, when we die, it will be too late to come back to God. We'll be far away and we won't have that opportunity to come back. If you're far away from God in this life, in this physical life, in the flesh, you will be far away from him in the next life, in the spiritual life. To the rich man, once he realized this, we're told he begged. He begged that Lazarus be sent to his family to warn them, particularly his five brothers. Look at verses 27 and 28. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that, they may, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Verse 29, But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Notice how bad torment was for, for, the, for the rich man. He, he pleaded that no one would end up there just like he was. He, he was in torment and agony. His, he had an unquenchable thirst. He, his thoughts are consumed by warning, for warnings for his family. You and I understand that we would rather beg for bread on earth like Lazarus than to beg for water in torment like the rich man who, who was far off, far away, Where are we? Where are you and I in relation with God today? Are we far away? See, Abraham explained to the rich man his missed opportunities in this life and his neglected responsibilities, and that it resulted in eternal punishment. Eternal punishment is eternal punishment away from God. Our destinies are sealed at death, and there are no second chances. Come to Jesus, right? Come to Jesus before it's eternally too late or or else you'll be in that far away that, that far away for eternity. But he, again, here's the good news this morning. God is not far. Right? God is not far from any one of us. Jeremiah 23 verse 23, God says through Jeremiah, "Am I a god who is near and not a god far off?" Philippians chapter 4 verse 5, "The Lord is near." Paul says, the Lord is near. He is at hand. And of course, Matthew 28, verse 20, the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But if we are not brought near by the blood of Christ, we have no hope of spending eternity with our creator. Uh, Each of these examples that we read this morning describe our distance from God today. We've either, either been brought near by his blood through baptism, or we are one time near but we have walked away from him or we're still far away. So if you find yourself in that, that second or the, that third scenario, won't you make the decision, the, the right decision to come back or to come to him to trust and obey? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And in 1 John, chapter 5, verse 3, says... For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Of course, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, verse 30, Come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This evening or this, excuse me, this morning, if we if we can help anyone uh, this morning with with your walk with Christ, and maybe you've realized that that you have been drawn near to, to him through his blood at one time. But you have gone away into that far country. We want to pray for you and to help you to come back to him. Or maybe you've been far off for a very long time and, and you, you haven't come to him through through baptism. You haven't been drawn near by his blood. Again, we would love the opportunity to, to, to study with you this morning or to put Christ on in baptism, um, to, to bury you in, in these waters back here. Uh, as the Bible tells us that we need to hear God's word and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Or repent of our sins, you know, turn away from those things, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And at that point, God will add you to his church, the church that you read about in the New Testament. If we can help you in any way uh, this morning... We would love to do so as together we stand and sing the song of encouragement.